Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Morrissey Movement. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss and share one aspect of fitness and one aspect of medicine. Being a general surgeon and a garage gym athlete, I have a strong passion for both of these aspects of life. So sit back and enjoy the show. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. I am in no way forming a patient-doctor relationship. While the aspects discussed in this podcast are medically accurate, you should always discuss with your doctor any questions that you may have about the content. You should always discuss with your doctor before starting any new exercise or dietary changes. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the pilot podcast of the Morrissey Movement. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Morrissey. In this first episode, I will cover a few separate topics. The purpose of my podcast is to convey information in one aspect of medicine and one aspect of fitness. One thing I plan on not covering is the topic of COVID. I feel there is much info out there right now, so I'm not gonna be talking about this at all on my show. Why is this called the Morrissey Movement? I thought this would be a great name for my podcast for a few reasons. First, I believe movement is medicine. The more we move, the more we can help augment our health and possibly decreasing disease simply by moving. Second, I have six sons as well as three daughters. So the Morrissey name is gonna be around for quite some time. So it's like we're trying to take over the Midwest. Third, I am trying to convey the importance of moving in day-to-day living and will try my best to educate as many people as I can. The term movement is sometimes used in reference to a revolution. So there is that aspect as well. So in this first episode, I'm going to discuss a couple different things. First off, I'm going to talk about colonoscopies and the importance of doing these. And also the fitness aspect I'm going to cover is concurrent training. So starting off with the colonoscopy, what exactly does this mean for me? A colonoscopy is an exam that is performed by a general surgeon or a gastroenterologist or sometimes family medicine physicians. It is a flexible tube that is typically three to four feet long and that is inserted into the patient's rectum and goes all the way over through the entire colon over to an area what's called the terminal ileum, which is the end of the small intestine where it inserts into the large intestine or the colon. The main reason to have this performed is to screen for colon cancer. But there are multiple other reasons to have this test performed, including but not limited changes in bowel habits, blood in the stool, abdominal pain, or inflammatory bowel disease. The great thing about a colonoscopy is that you get direct visualization of the entire colon, but also multiple interventions can be performed if a polyp or a little small mass is detected. Polyps can be removed with a bunch of different devices, something like a snare, which is like a little wire lasso looking apparatus. There's also cautery and there's also pincher forceps that you can just grasp and remove the little piece of tissue if you need to. Another common question, will the procedure hurt? Usually it doesn't. When you arrive to the hospital, you usually get an IV at the beginning of your day. You will then go to the endoscopy room and receive some sort of anesthesia. At our hospital, we perform this procedure under what's called propofol, which is a general anesthetic to put you to sleep just enough so you won't remember anything, but you can still breathe on your own. Once you are indeed asleep, the scope will begin. Someone may ask, when should I have this done? The current recommendations are if you have no family history of colon cancer and have no health issues, the age of 50 is when you should start getting these done. However, in recent years, as in within the last year, it is actually recommended at 45, but to my knowledge, not every insurance is on board with this yet. So typically it's the age of 50. However, if you have a family history of colon cancer, then you need to get a scope at the 
onset 10 years prior to the person that was diagnosed. So for instance, if your dad had colon cancer at the age of 40, you should get a screening colonoscopy at the age of 30 and so on. When should I have a repeat colonoscopy? This depends a lot on what we find during your scope. So if your first colonoscopy is negative and you have no family history of colon cancer, then the current recommendation is we should do this every 10 years. If you do have a family history of colon cancer and there is nothing that is found in your scope or it is considered negative, then you should have it done every five years. If a polyp is found, then there are different variables that come into play with this. There are different types of polyps that can be found. One is called hyperplastic, which accounts for approximately 50% of all polyps found in the rectum and the sigmoid colon. These are benign lesions that virtually never turn to cancer. There are three types of what are called adenomas that can also be found. Tubular adenomas account for approximately 80% of all adenomas that are found inside the colon. They have approximately 5 to 10% potential to become a cancer if these are left alone and nothing is done with them. Tubulovillus adenomas have about a 20% risk of becoming a malignancy, and the third type, which is called villus adenomas, have about a 40 to 50% chance or risk of developing into a malignancy. Low-risk polyps include one to two small, what are called sessile polyps that are less than 10 millimeters in size, and if they don't have any cellular changes, which is referred to as dysplasia, or changing of the cells. The follow-up then should be within five to 10 years, depending on what is found. High-risk polyps include three to 10 tubular adenomas in one single colonoscopy, at least one tubular adenoma greater than 10 millimeters in size, or at least one adenoma with a villus type features or what is called high-grade dysplasia, meaning the cells have a high degree of change. Follow-up colonoscopy then should be done at three years or less. What can happen during this colonoscopy? There are a few complications with any medical procedure that can be occurring during this procedure. <clears throat> there can be heart and lung issues due to anesthesia. During the actual colonoscopy, there can be bleeding after a polyp is removed, which is typically seen at approximately seven to 10 days when your bowel movements get back to normal. There can be a missed lesion, which is why the prep is the most important part of the procedure. The prep is done the day before the procedure so that the colon is cleaned out in order for the endoscopist to be able to see the entire colon during the procedure. There can also be a perforation of the colon, which usually happens if cautery is used to remove a polyp that may require an operation to repair. This risk is very rare that occurs less than 1% of each colonoscopy that is performed. While the thought of a colonoscopy is not appealing to all, it is one of the best preventative tests we have available in medicine because it can be both diagnostic and therapeutic. So diagnostic meaning we can actually diagnose a problem and therapeutic meaning we can actually treat it at that time. There is always someone who knows someone that had a bad experience. People also tend to get on the internet and look up things and end up going down some sort of negative rabbit hole and get a whole lot of bad information. So just be careful on what resources you look at when you're doing your research. At the facility where I perform these, I typically tell my patients that it's approximately about three hours out of your day. It is usually about an hour before the procedure is boarded for. So if you're supposed to have your colonoscopy performed at eight o'clock, you usually show up at around 7 a.m. where you'll get an IV. Then the anesthesia provider will talk with you, go through going through your medical records and ensuring everything is safe to proceed. Then once the procedure is underway, it is typically boarded for an hour at our facility. However, it very rarely takes that long. There's a lot of variables 
including how good the prep is, how easy it is to get through the colon. Some people have more sharp curves and bends than others. How much work the endoscopist has to perform as far as removing multiple polyps or how easy it is to transition through the colon. So if you're around that age, everyone go get a colonoscopy is actually not that bad. I'm probably gonna have to have mine done here in the next few years, even though I am 45 and have no family risk factors, I'm still probably gonna go ahead and proceed to get this done. So now that the medicine part is finished, I'm gonna go ahead and move on to the fitness aspect of today's talk. So I'm gonna start off with something what's called concurrent training. So the definition of this is the combination of resistance and endurance training in a periodized program to maximize all aspects of physical performance. There are many aspects that can negatively affect performance, including volume, intensity, duration, and also more importantly, hydration, nutrition, and sleep. So you may have heard the bro science kind of big back in the 80s and 90s that cardio or endurance will kill your gains. You either are a strength athlete or you're an endurance athlete, but you can't do both. So there's actually been numerous articles in the last I don't know, five, 10 years and studies to disprove this old line of thinking. So there's one paper I'm going to quote. Uh, the title of the paper is Endurance Training Induced Increase in Muscle Oxidative Capacity Without Loss of Muscle Mass in Younger and Older Resistance Trained Men from the European Journal of Applied Physiology. This was actually done um, November of 2021. So basically the summary of this study, it was actually fairly small in nature. They took eight younger athletes that were in their 20s to early 30s and compared them to older athletes that were in their 60s to 70s. There was actually only seven subjects in this group and they performed a 10-week endurance cycling program and the actual training program, they had five six-minute intervals at 75% of their maximum heart rate separated by four-minute intervals at 90% maximum heart rate. So after performing these um, workouts, then they would get MRIs and they would analyze the anatomic cross-sectional area of the thigh muscles and then also they ended up getting biopsies of what's called the vastus lateralis muscle which your quadricep muscles or your thigh muscles actually there's four separate muscles and they're taking biopsies of the outer of the outer thighs and so the results at the very end of this study um, basically stated that um, by adding resistance training and endurance training together can actually lead to positive endurance-related adaptations without any negative consequences to muscle size and strength in older and younger resistance-trained people. So I actually use concurrent training in my, in my everyday training, and I have noticed a tremendous difference since I've been doing this. I've been using this type of training program for the approximately three to four years, and I have had increase in strength and also increase in endurance so my mile time has dropped down pretty significantly and i've gone up on all my lifts including deadlift back squat and strict press and also bench press so i can say that this type of training works now not everyone will get the same results not everyone has the same goals some people are mainly strength focused some people are mainly endurance focused but if you read a lot of the current literature on any type of program strength or endurance there's always the opposite that is usually added in at least once or twice a week so in running programs you'll typically see at least one to two days per week of some sort of strength training and or cross training exercises to better increase the athlete's capacity to perform different tasks um, there's actually another uh, study that I looked at um, to discuss concurrent training. So this one is entitled The Compatibility of Concurrent Aerobic and Strength Training for Skeletal Muscle Size and Function. This is a meta-analysis and systematic review. 
Um, so the background of this, uh, both athletes and recreational exercisers often perform relatively high volumes of aerobic and strength training at the same time. However, the compatibility of these two distinct training mo modes remain unclear. So the objective of this study that they performed was, uh, it was a systematic review that they looked at the compatibility of both aerobic and strength training just compared to strength training alone in terms of adaptations and muscle function, um, including maximum and explosive strength and also muscle mass. Uh, they also had a subgroup analysis that they conducted to uh, compare training modalities, training types, exercise order, training frequency, age, and training status. Um, so the methods they used, there was a systematic literature search um, that they use what's called the PRISMA guidelines, which is preferred reporting items for systematic reviews and meta-analysis. Uh, this is on PubMed slash Medline. Um, they looked between August 12th, 2020, all the way up to March 15th, 2021. Um, so as far as the population goes, they used healthy adults of any age and sex. Intervention, they used supervised concurrent aerobic and strength training for at least four weeks. And they were comparing um, the comparison was identical strength training prescription with no aerobic training, the outcome of maximal strength, explosive strength, and muscle hypertrophy. So the results of this, uh, there's a total of 43 studies that were included. Um, and their conclusion that they found after all this literature review uh, is that concurrent aerobic and strength training does not compromise muscle hypertrophy and maximum strength development. However, explosive strength games may be attenuated, especially when you're using aerobic and strength training performed in the same session. These results appear to be independent of the type of aerobic training, frequency of concurrent training, training status, and also age. So, you know, the old school way of thinking has actually been proven by science that you can indeed do aerobic training as well as resistance training and see gains in both areas. Um, as I said before, you know, the program that I typically use, um, being a garage gym athlete, um, actually is called garage gym athlete. So they're not a sponsor. This is just where I get my training programs from. So if you're interested, you can go to garagegymathlete.com and check them out. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is just something random that I found on the internet a month ago or so ago. I tend to kind of go down some rabbit holes, uh, when getting up in the morning and looking online at various things. Uh, you know, so I was on the interwebs one morning and, um, you know, when you will sing a song and you think the lyrics go a certain way and that's actually incorrect. Well, there's actually a word for that, um, which I had no idea before this. It's actually called a Mondegreen. So a Mondegreen, which is M-O-N-D-E-G-R-E-E-N, uh, the, the definition is a mishearing or misinterpretation of a phrase in a way that gives it a new meaning. So Mondegreens are most often created by a person listening to a poem or a song, the listener being unable to clearly hear what the lyric is, and they substitute words that sound similar and make some, tries to make some sort of sense of what it is. So some of the examples that I found growing up um, that I've heard over the years. So number one, the song by Starship, the We Built This City song. There's a part in the song that says, um, my Cody plays the mamba, listen to the radio. Um, my thought was, who the hell's Cody? And why is he playing the mamba? But actually, uh, the correct lyrics is Marconi plays the mamba, listen to the radio. So if you're interested in that, there's actually a whole website dedicated to this Starship band. And I spent like 15 minutes reading about this and sort of lost a few brain cells reading it. But anyway, it's kind of fun to read. So anyway, um, the second one, 
it's a song by CCR, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Uh, so the lyrics that I thought they were saying is that there's a bathroom on the right, um, but actually they are saying there's a bad moon on the rise, hence the title of the song, Bad Moon Rising. So again, I was incorrect on that. Um, there's also another song by Warrant on their very first album from back in the day, uh, Dirty Rotten Filthy Stinking Rich. Um, it's the, the lyrics that I thought they were is 32 pennies and a right good time. However, they were stating 32 pennies in a ragu jar, which to me makes absolutely no sense. I think you could probably have a really good time with only 32 cents, but who knows? And the last one that I'll talk about is a song by Elton John called Tiny Dancer, uh, which it always sounds like he says, hold me closer, Tony Danza. But actually, he is saying the words Tiny Dancer. So I don't know. And there's tons of other ones out there. Um, if you're you know so inclined, feel free to send those to me. I always like hearing other people's interpretations of songs. I think it's pretty funny. So, so basically, you get the idea. Um, Again, thank you very much for listening to my first podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show and the content. You know, I plan on releasing one every week. We'll see how things go. You know, I'll probably only have like one person ever listen to this, excluding myself. So that is fine. Um, But I would love to hear ideas for episodes or any questions you'd like me to be addressed because I'd be happy to do those. Um, please feel free to email me anytime at themorrisseymovement at gmail.com. So that's T-H-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-S-E-Y, movement, M-O-V-E-M-E-N-T, at gmail.com. No underscore or spaces or anything like that. And please feel free to fill, leave comments and anything up to a five-star review. That'd be greatly appreciated so other people can be able to listen to this podcast as well. Have a great week, and remember, movement is the best medicine, so get up and get moving.